0: Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. Lots of stuff to discuss today. We've got a really good interview with Bryce Eddy about a new Turning Point USA documentary series called Border Battle. And we're gonna hear a lot about the border. We're gonna hear a little bit about Bryce Eddy's podcast on uh, the Salem platform, the Salem Podcast Network as well. Uh, So you'll want to stick around for all of that great conversation with Bryce Eddy. And I think you're really going to enjoy Border Battle. This is something that Salem is doing. Salem being, of course, our parent company as well. Salem is doing this on its uh, Salem Now platform. And it's available right now. You have to be a subscriber to get to this. But it's a great docuseries. It it, um, is something that interviews experts about what the what's really at stake on the border. And even people who, you know, people like you and I, who are fairly well tied into the news on this, uh, may not understand the entire scope of what's going on on the border. And I think that this is part of what border battle is going to help us, uh, help us understand. So, Great conversation coming up with Bryce. Eddie, uh, make sure you stay tuned for all of the Ed Morrissey show podcast and then go over and check out Border Battle. Um, and I'll have the I'll have the trailer for it embedded in the show post when it goes up later this afternoon. Um, and are by the way, we've got other news on the website uh, today at hotair.com. Um, nothing yet in the VIP section where uh, jazz is just coming back from being uh, ill. And so we we don't have any VIP content to put up today yet. But we will have uh, the VIP gold chat and that will have already taken place by the time you've seen this, but you can go back and watch it. If you're a VIP gold member, and you can access that and and, then join us for the live versions of that because that's an awful lot of fun. In the meantime, we've got a lot of free content up on there. I have a post up right now talking about uh, Germany rebuffing Putin's offer uh, to restore the natural gas supplies through the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which apparently has either been Uh, repaired or uh, wasn't seriously enough damage to uh, knock it out of um, commission now remember that Nord Stream 2 never was in operation it was in the process of being certified by Germany when uh, Europe started sanctioning Russia over the um, war in Ukraine and Germany just said we're not going to certify this period end of story so we will never turn it on and um, uh, the German government Olaf Scholz is the um, is the um, chancellor right now. And um, the question was put to Christiane Hoffman, who is the spokesperson for the Schultz government. Um, and she said, uh, nice try to Putin's offer to turn on the gas. Remember that it was about six or seven weeks ago that Putin turned the gas off entirely. And in a hope of forcing either Europe to withdraw its support for uh, Ukraine in exchange for access to gas, uh, Uh, Russian gas, or at least to split uh, the EU, NATO, you know, the Western alliance in some fashion, because Germany was highly dependent on this, uh, to warm uh, houses in very cold winters. And political implications of having the uh, Russian gas cut off is, you know, not difficult to imagine. So the fact that uh, Hoffman and Schultz are sticking to this um, position, I think, is an act of political bravery. Uh, because there are people in Germany who are demanding that Russia finds or Germany find some sort of accommodation with Russia to get the gas turned back on. Now, the attack on the Nord Stream and Nord Stream 2, um, at least put that possibility off for a bit. But up until today, Putin hadn't been inclined to turn the gas back on. Now he's inclined to turn the gas back on. But it's because he is realizing that uh, his strategies of dividing the West Separating the West from Ukraine and the escalate to de-escalate strategy that is part of the Russian um, you know, the, the Russian playbook, I guess you can call it and, you know, typical Russian strategy is that you escalate so far up that everybody has to has to um buckle because they don't they don't want to run the risk of whatever escalation Russia is threatening. Well, that's not working. And after having hinted at using nuclear weapons and not seeing any de-escalation from the West on this point it's starting to become clear that Putin has painted himself into a corner and doesn't know how to get out. So today Putin is in uh, Turkey. He's in, I believe in Ankara, uh, meeting with uh, uh, Recep Erdogan. And the Kremlin is even acknowledging today <laughs> that they're hoping that what Turkey will do is facilitate some sort of talks to negotiate an end to the war. And I mean, I think that that's a really stunning admission from the Kremlin. And I'm I was very tempted to put, us, uh, put up a headline that said, uh, "Rescue, you know, help us, Erdo, Obi-Erdogan, you're our only hope. Uh, but <laughs> so I did say rescue us, Erdogan, with a question mark uh, in the headline of this. But I think that what's important to understand about that is that they're looking for a way out. Now they're looking for a way out. Uh, after the escalate to de-escalate strategy didn't work, after the Missile attacks on Ukraine over the last couple of days clearly wasn't getting Ukraine to back down after threatening a very empty threat to uh, to combine up with Belarus on the northern front again um, with conscripts in the Belarusian army, which is not an army at all. I and mean, it's an internal security force. Basically, it's never been in battle. Um, and Alexander Lukashenko's position in Belarus is so untenable that even a hint that they were going to join uh, Putin's invasion of Ukraine in a second um, attempt to capture Kiev would likely, um, first off, would likely occupy all of Belarus's, you know, military forces as they are, uh, and secondly, would would touch off an uprising that would almost almost certainly dethrone Lukashenko and make matters worse for Putin. And Putin's got to understand that. I mean, Lukashenko's on is 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 on a very thin reed as it is, and the more pressure he puts on Belarus to uh, to cooperate in this Ukraine war, the riskier it becomes that Belarus actually goes through a um, a, a revolution that makes Belarus unfriendly territory to Russia, and then suddenly their entire western um, uh, border becomes a frontier. Uh, For, for, you know, at least, you know, uh, potentially hostile nations, (laughs) it makes matters worse, makes matters exponentially worse, Finland's going to join NATO, that's, that makes it worse. I mean, um, if, if Belarus topples over, and a pro-Western government takes over in Belarus, uh, Putin will have single handedly made the Russian security situation about as bad as it possibly could be. And I don't think he'd survive that either. So I think he's looking for a way out. And uh, cross our fingers that he's he's doing it. Now, if you watched yesterday's podcast, I talked with Ambassador Francis Rooney about this. And we actually had a long conversation about how you get to an end of this war. And basically, he's saying that the West needs to sit down uh, and force both parties to come to some sort of compromise. To stop the fighting, uh, and that might just be a return to status quo ante. He thinks that uh, Zelensky's attacks on Crimea right now is maybe also um, <laughs> incentivizing Vladimir Putin to to look for a negotiated end to this. Uh, I think the Kerch Bridge attack might be doing that as well because that's coming down. If, if, if this, uh, they're going to be going after that again, and if this goes any longer than the next few days, that Kerch Bridge is probably going to fall. Um, I I would be very surprised if Ukraine doesn't target that again. It's a main line of communication to Russian forces in Crimea. If they knock it out, they're basically going to isolate the the troops that are in there, they're going to basically make it a pocket. And the only thing that they can use to get troops in and out of there are ferries, and for that matter, supplies. So it's a very interesting situation. Plus, there's tons more, of course, at, at Hot Air. I'm going to talk about how, um, and I, I've got the post written, it'll be up before this uh, podcast publishes today. I talk about how uh, mainstream media is covering for John Fetterman, and you can really see this. By the way, they went after NBC's Dasha Burns for just reporting on on what she observed of John Fetterman in the very first in-person television interview that the campaign has allowed to happen. <laughs> since John Fetterman had a stroke five months ago. We're three weeks, or four, to me, four weeks away from election day. And this is the first time that they're allowing a, uh, a reporter uh, from a significant news outlet to sit and do a television interview with the candidate. I mean, first off, that, that should tell reporters there's a problem here. <laughs> and rather than pick up on what Dasha Burns said yesterday on MSNBC, which I reported yesterday, Instead, they're going after Dasha Burns for saying something. To, oh, well, we've we've had him on the phone and we haven't noticed anything like that. <laughs> Just remember, Dave, I, I make explicit reference to this. Just remember David Burgess and Jim Treacher's first rule of, of journalism, which is that you cover report. You cover stories for Democrats with a blanket until they die. Um <laughs> And uh, and you'll understand the reaction to this. Our friends at Twitchy are, are collating that. Uh, I would definitely recommend that you go follow that link over to Twitchy. I'm not the only person writing at Hot Air, though. I, I am remiss if I don't talk about some of the great stuff that's up there. Jazz is back. He actually wrote a couple of great pieces today about, um, about uh, Joe Biden. One is about Joe Biden's interview with Jake Tapper on CNN yesterday. You'll definitely want to watch that. Um, I wrote about inflation. Um, You can see that already. Inflation is still raging. Uh, This is not bending downwards. This is still bending upwards. And um, as one Fed chair said in the wake of the producer price index report uh, this morning, there's been no progress on inflation. And don't forget, we're going to get the consumer price index report tomorrow, which probably will show the same thing. David uh, David Strom has a post up. Stanford University doctor chop them off while they're young. Karen Townsend is uh, still following the Herschel Walker uh, abortion story. Um, she's skeptical of Herschel Walker's explanations of this, and you can you can find out how um, that's nuanced against skepticism about what Raphael Warnock says about his own um, his own positions and his own um, peccadillos. Uh, but I think she's doing a great job of making sure that we cover all the bases in that Georgia Senate race. Uh, Jazz also has a um, uh, a post up about Canadian law enforcement surveilling an American gun show in Montana. I think that you're going to definitely want to read about that. And uh, John Sexton, by the time this comes up, John Sexton may have what's going to end up being the story of the day, which is that, that that issue with the mounted border patrol agents last year, where they were supposedly whipping migrants from their horses, turns out to we already knew this turned out to be um, nonsense. Those were reins, not whips, and they were following a a particular uh, tactic to make sure that the uh, that hostile people didn't grab the horses, and and instead abided by the orders that these border patrol agents were giving, and so nobody was being whipped at all. Uh, they were just trying to keep the the people from grabbing the horses. We knew this almost immediately, but. The Biden administration, Joe Biden himself, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, and everybody else insisted that this was horrifying and they're going to do a deep investigation. Well, to no one's big surprise, I think, it turns out that DHS and the administration and Mayorkas knew within hours that that story was not true and still acted as though it was Um, a FOIA request from Fox News finally um, finally got serviced after they had to go to court to enforce it. And emails that um, preceded Alejandro Mayorkas's public remarks on this sh- it shows that he was told that that story was not true, and yet he went out and slandered these Border Patrol agents anyway. Uh, it's infuriating. You're going to be infuriated. John's, gonna, John's doing a great job on writing that up as I speak. And so that may end up being the story of the day. So keep an eye on that. Uh, I think you're going to see Republican calls for Mayorkas' impeachment grow significantly. And if Republicans take control of the House and the Senate, I think we're looking at a resignation <laughs> pretty soon after the midterms. I think that Biden at that point will cut his losses and find somebody else to um, to take over Homeland Security. All right, well, stay tuned for Bryce Eddy about, uh, about the... Um, about the new Turning Point USA slash Salem uh, joint uh, production of Border Battle. It's available now on SalemNow.com. So sign up. You can watch the entire, I think they've got three or four episodes up already. It's supposed to be a six episode uh, docu-series. And Bryce Eddy talks all about that coming up right now. Thanks for watching. And don't miss a minute of the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. welcome back to the ed morrissey show podcast and i stand in awe of my uh guest today uh bryce Eddy, one of the salem podcasters is joining us for the first time to talk about a salem now project and uh, turning point usa production a docuseries on the border called border battle and uh and and look from the trailer this looks absolutely fascinating and uh, it's um it's, it's, we, we talk a lot about the border, Bryce, but as this, um, as, as, um, Charlie Kirk says in this is that, you know, we're, we're getting most of the story, but we're not really getting the full scope of it.
1: No, you're, you're right. We aren't. And so I, I went down to the border over the last year, um, uh, a, a few times and our, and our team went down a few times and, I got to tour kind of what was going on in our um, first couple of trips and talk to the sheriff's departments down there, talk to um, some of the actual individuals who own private property and ranches and things like that, and and some of the neighborhoods that are impacted by what's going on. And then um, our company, uh, we're a security consulting firm and a guard services company, and we do a lot of private-public partnerships with... um, uh, law enforcement agencies, and military um, here domestically. And so we um, got brought down and were embedded with the um, sheriff's departments down there and actually got to do operations with them on the border. Um, so, you know, we were down there for, a, a um, you know, qu- quite a while, uh, you know, a few days at a time, actually, you know, in the middle of the night, hunting down human traffickers and drug traffickers and and seeing all that was happening. And um, what, what happens very frequently that I got to witness, uh, because we we rolled up on, on a um, section of border wall in Yuma, Arizona, and we weren't there for more than 20 minutes. And then uh, a number of people started to cross the border at that juncture. And um, it, it ended up being roughly about 50 plus people. And the camera crews that were with us for the documentary got to interview people. And and so we witnessed all kinds of crazy things, some of which were, were very disturbing that we'll, I'm sure, get get into here.
0: You know, it's interesting, Bryce, because at the moment, I'm, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the docu-series format. And I'm I'm actually watching one that you probably would enjoy if you haven't already seen it. Um, it was uh, about four or five years ago, CNN did a series on covert operations. And I forget exactly what the name of it is now at the moment, but it's uh, about three seasons, I would guess about 20 episodes, roughly. Uh, various different, uh, covert, um, operations that took place over the last 60, 70 years or so really fascinating stuff. And you know, a lot of this is kind of hair raising because some of this stuff gets into, you know, nuclear areas, you know, cold war, you know, you know, uh, brinksmanship type of stories. And, you know, after <laughs> you really go through this and go, wow, I mean, I thought I was pretty well connected for most of this, and I really had no idea uh, what was going on. And I get the sense of that same thing. I mean, you got some really good experts on there. You know, you've got a couple of sheriffs. On, well, you're going to have a bunch of experts. I haven't even yeah. seen uh, how many you are actually have on this. But I mean, I think that that's the, just just from the three minute clip, um, which we've we've embedded it higher now a couple of times, um, you get the sense that, man, there's a ton of, uh, really hair-raising uh, things about this that it, it really is beyond our comprehension. I I was really amazed just in the in the in the um, trailer, Bryce, about the idea that you've got armor, <laughs> you've got armored divisions in these um, uh, you know the cartels, mm-hmm. and they're conducting drone bombings on the Mexican side of the border and. <laughs> When you've got somebody from the U.S. government saying, we've never seen anything like this before. I mean, popping eyes open here.
1: Yeah, no, um, they're a parallel government down there. And the cartels are in charge of uh, our border. We are not in charge of our border. Um, yeah. in, in fact, uh, you know, we, we interview a number of um, um, border um, officials and, you know, Border Patrol agents, you know, most of which are, are you know, remaining anonymous in the uh, recording but, but they are disheartened, they're demoralized. Um, you know, I think you probably saw the Project Veritas clip where you know, they, they interviewed the guy and he openly just said, hey, all we are is a shuttle service now. And, and it's, it's a shame because these guys want to do the work and they're being held back by our current administration. And those cartels run things down there and they are a military organization. It's, uh, it's really phenomenal to see.
0: They're a military organization. They're also a, um, I guess they're a sales organization or at least they're a distribution organization, right? Because part of, I mean, with, with the reason why this matters, well, there's lots of reason why this matters. If it was just an immigration crisis, that would be bad enough, right? I mean, because you just need to have control of your border. You need to know who's coming in and out of your country. Uh, you need to have some sort of rational way of assigning asylum where it's where it's needed and denying it where it's where it's not but the drug traffic and especially fentanyl i think is really i again a scope larger than people understand it to be and the whole drift of this is basically they're controlling the border as a means of uh, promoting their their fentanyl business among other drugs, right? But fentanyl is particularly dangerous.
1: Yeah, they're they're um, they're making a lot of money on the drug trade for sure, but also the human trafficking and um, yeah. you know, what is really modern day slavery. Um, they're they're making a lot of money on that. They're making quite a bit of money also on the crossings themselves. So they've got an entirely um, uh, robust. Um, you know, trade going on down there. I mean, they have a they have a business and an industry that's that's surrounding um, the, the border and everything that's happening. And we're letting it go on, which is unfortunate.
0: So what else don't we know? And I don't want you to give away all the secrets, right? We want people to go over to salemnow.com.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, listen and and watch this, you know, but I I won't possibly be able to cover it all because there was so much that, that we witnessed and so many things that were happening down there. And again, to see it with my own eyes, to see the, um, the stacks of border wall material that has just been abandoned down there um, by the Biden administration, the, the wall, you know, they, they just ceased working on the wall. Um, So, so witnessing that in person was, was really startling. Um, what, what would blow your mind, though, when I talked about those folks that were walking over the border, most of them were not from Mexico. In fact, I didn't number a single Mexican among them. Most were from uh, all over the country. You know, many, of course, were South American. So you had people right. coming up from South America. But, but we had Eastern Europeans in there as well. We had people from the Republic of Georgia. We had people from Cuba. We had people from the Middle East. Um, just walking over again, they're paying the cartel to, you know, to give them safe passage. They walk over to our side, and then you have privately contracted um, uh, buses that are picking them up and taking them to um, processing centers. So it's a, uh, it's, it's really startling to see. The other thing that um, your listeners need to hear. Is that we have forward operating bases? So the cartel has forward operating bases on our side of the border, on U.S. soil, and we yeah. could see them through our binoculars. We were able to directly observe them. They were, of course, observing us, and and we're talking guys with with rifles, um, you know, AK-47s, AR-15s, um, you know, fully kitted out with uh, body armor and and everything that a military operation would need.
0: You know, it's interesting, I, you know, it's a long history on the border here between Mexico and the United States. And there's, it you know, there's there's a sort of a cyclical nature to this because, you know, back in, um, you know, back in the day, back, you know, before World War I, um, uh, Mexico and, 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 and gangs in Mexico used to cross the border pretty much with impunity back then. Uh, they sent, uh, you know, General Jack Pershing down there to deal with it at one point. And um, sort of to a draw, and we've always been kind of at a draw with this, but I think in, in, those, in those days, it was a much more simple affair. This, these were, you know, uh, people who were, uh, first off, probably revolutionaries, counter-revolutionaries in Mexico who were trying to get into the United States. They were raiding, um, uh, uh, you know, American towns at the time, uh, which is the reason why Pershing got th- um, dispatched down there. But um, these are not the old days. Right. This is not. This is not just uh, braceros who are coming across the border, and the passage is not very safe either. Even with these human trafficking concerns. In fact, you know, here in Texas, we just got done seeing a a truck, a a truckload of migrants abandoned to uh, to their deaths um, in one of the hottest days of this year, one of the hottest stretches of this year, and they basically baked to death because the Driver abandoned the truck and, and left the people locked inside. Um, I think it was 53 people who died. So yeah. there are, I mean, it's it's really not the same thing. This is really on a completely different scale.
1: Yeah, and and um, you know, let's let's take a moment to acknowledge there are people that need asylum, and there are people yeah. that legitimately should be coming over here and and we need to reach out to them. And that's what um, you know, a nation like ours does very, very well. Um, but then there's a lot of people that it's an excuse, you know, and no, they are not properly seeking asylum and no, they do not need asylum in the in the United States. In fact, there's a lot of young men that are coming here claiming asylum that staying back in their own countries, you know, that you cannot ex- export your entire, you know, youth of uh, fighting men who could actually revolutionize the places that they're coming from and, and could be the ones that that fight and are and are resisting bad governments from where they're they're um, uh, immigrating from, but um, so, you know, we, we want to be, we want to be uh, loving, generous and appropriate to, to the good people, but there's a right. lot that are using it for excuse. And when we interviewed some of those folks, they were um, talking, and you'll see this in the documentary about how horrible it, it really is. And there's a tremendous amount of abuse that goes on. Um, uh, one of the things that, that I mentioned in the first episode, there's a clip of me talking about the rape trees. And there are um, stations along the route where they will shackle women um, who are unwilling uh, uh, against trees and they hang their underwear as trophies in the trees. And, and we saw that. And, you know, um, I don't want to be too graphic, but condoms and and little girls underwear and everything littered at the base of these trees. So um, it's it's sickening. It makes you want to throw up. And and it makes um, you realize that there needs to be such a sense of urgency with this issue right now.
0: Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's a bad situation all the way around, right? And and you're right. We we have asylum for a reason. The problem is is that when you have this much of a flow through these systems, it's impossible to rationally exercise um, those types of policies. Well, and
1: yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, if I can interrupt, because I think people need to understand what this really is. This is an attack against sovereignty, which we've yeah. got going on worldwide right now. You know, the whole open borders globalist type of a movement is about sovereignty. And, you know, they're attacking our sovereignty as nations, but they're also attacking our sovereignty in our communities. They're attacking um, our sovereignty as individuals right now. So there's a, a massive push against that just you know, globally and worldwide. And if you don't break our system, you can't rebuild it in your own image. And I believe that's what this whole entire thing really is about, um, including the um, allowing of the massive amount of fentanyl and everything else that's coming into the United States right now as well. Yeah, I mean,
0: the, the numbers on fentanyl are astounding. And look, I mean, again, I'm a big fan of the docu-series type of format and that includes you know, shows like On Patrol, right? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kind of, I'm a sucker for that type of stuff, right? So, I mean, this is the reason why the, you know, Border border Battle on uh, com is right up my alley and I got to get right on this thing and start watching it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that you see in these things, and I think maybe, um, I think it was the series Body Cam on um, Discovery ID, is they actually had one um, episode where a police officer almost died just from touching this stuff in, in its powdered form. He didn't have his glove on and he came in contact with this stuff and started seizing up. And the person he detained is actually the person who ended up saving his life because that was the person who got him help. Um, he had just rolled up to the station, but couldn't put the car in park. It was a really interesting, terrifying episode. And he came through it. Okay, he survived and you know he's back on the job. But people, I think, don't understand two things about fentanyl. One is how deadly this stuff is. This is not just this is not just your average crystal meth. This is not cocaine. It's not even crack. This is way more deadly. And B, the scope of how much is coming across the border, how much is pouring across the border, uh, using the strategy that you just said.
1: Yeah, so we serve as campus security with a lot of schools right now, and fentanyl is happening where kids are overdosing at these schools on these campuses right now. Um, it is, it is um, rampant. It is everywhere. It is being mixed in with other drugs. There's no such thing as recreational drugs now because you could be potentially exposed to fentanyl because they're putting it to gin up every kind of drug um, you know on, on the planet right now. And so, um, you know, people need to be uh, more than cautious. Um, The other thing that's happening now that a lot of people don't know is they're putting uh, Narcan um, self-administration spots in our jails so you can self-save. And they have those stations in our local jails now because people are smuggling it in. Of course, it's so... Uh, easy to to get just about anywhere. And it's so, uh, so available that that they're having to put, again, these Narcan stations in our jails here locally. I mean, it's just amazing to hear that, Bryce. Um,
0: getting back to the destroying it to build something else. I mean, this is not the only, it's not the only context in which that's happening. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can, I, I know this is outside the scope of border battles, but I'm just, to, just so that I can throw this out there. I mean, we're seeing this in the destruction of all sorts of other norms whether it comes to human biology <laughs> whether it comes to uh you know whether or not that there is an um objective truth even to the point of science especially when it comes to human biology by the way i, I mean we're just seeing a complete destruction of anything that has to do with a a connection to an objective reality uh, and really that that is i think uh a, a push to remake the world in a particular image.
1: Yeah, you're right, and I, I talk about that on on our show, which is called Liberty Station, and um, we um, talk about that regularly. And there are many different manifestations of what's happening now. Our border crisis being just one of them. The you know drugs that are coming over and and kind of you know rotting us from within is another um and and yes, the you know, transgendering of our youth, that social contagion, um the the dismantling of objective truth, the changing the the definitions in our language, the you know, it's it's all sowing the seeds of chaos and and we're seeing um those aims kind of you know, be laid bare. And I think more people are starting to to wise up or or you know, wake up to it, but it's it's happening everywhere. It's an attack on you know, uh, uh, every institution that we have, you know, and, and attacking our families and, and our faith and everything else. So
0: Bryce, tell us a little bit about Liberty Station. We should talk a little bit about Liberty Station too, because, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is an up and coming podcast in the, in the Salem, uh, firmament here, this uh, Salem podcast firmament, uh, tell us, tell us when this started and, 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 uh, you know, what, what your, you've already given us a little bit of a look at, at what you're doing there, but tell us a little bit about where you want to go with uh, Liberty Station.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, you know, we're having fun doing it, but um, it it started when, um, you know, Rob McCoy at Godspeak Calvary Chapel here in California, we stayed open during the pandemic and, um, you know, fought against the the local and and, you know, state government here and amassed fines and, you know, ultimately ended up winning in those endeavors but during that time just to stay in touch with everybody the church started a podcast and and really what it was was a live stream that that what happened every night at 7 p.m seven days a week for an entire year just to just to you know let everybody know they weren't alone and just to identify the the you know the times that we were in and uh, and that slowly morphed into what we're doing now which is a podcast that we air uh, four episodes a week um, Salem picked us up, uh, about a hundred episodes ago and we're already 84, um, on the political news and commentary charts. It's a, I, I think we're doing something that's a little bit different than what, um, others are doing. So it's a, um, a conversational format. Um, I, you know, we go for just under an hour. Um, it also gets put on uh, one of the Salem radio stations as well. And I just interview interesting people about interesting things in the interesting times we're in. And uh, and so I get I get um, you know authors I get pastors I get politicians um, you know I've had a knack for getting really really good guests and and you know we we just have fun and and we're attacking these issues and I'm getting their perspectives and then you know and then we'll have a a few episodes here and there that are purely just because they're interesting uh, right. and and the audience needs a break every once in a while so I, I had a buddy who's a big game hunter in Africa and and we had uh you know we showed pictures of the hippos and crocodiles and everything else that that he hunted while he was there and you know and, and you got to let everybody up one, uh, once in a while because you know if we talk too much about what's happening especially without you know uh, letting everybody know that god wins in the end um you know it, it can be depressing in these times but uh, it, it, yeah
0: it's, well yeah i mean Look, I mean, podcasting, radio—you uh, know—even even political analysis. There's, you have to have a a sense of entertainment about this because this isn't a white paper. Yeah. <laughs> this is, these are these are not you know um, these are not treatises. Uh, this is it's meant to be engaging. It's meant to it's meant to pull people in and make people think, but at the same time, uh, make them feel entertained and and um and and bring them into. Uh, a common culture. And I think this is a part that's missing, right? That we're missing right now is the sense that there even should be a common culture. Yeah. Uh, we are we are so busy dividing ourselves along all sorts of different lines. Primarily, I think these days, among racial lines, which is a terrible terrible injustice to everybody involved. 100%. So, there is no resolving those things. If you make if you make immutable characteristics, the the um the highest uh consideration in in human interaction i don't care if we even talk about politics now I and mean, you know in any sort of form of human interaction those create nothing but irreconcilable differences you can't possibly get past those because they cannot change um it is dividing people among uh, the things that separate them rather than looking for ways to unite them and, and I think that's a great challenge of us. It's a challenge for us in the partisan sphere too, right? Because we're talking about issues. We're very passionate about what we believe in. We're talking about border battle, um, at, you know, from Salemnow.com. And there's people who have different perspectives on immigration and asylum and all, all these types of things. And while we want to make our case, what we want to do, I think in the end really is we want to make, we want to first off, inform people as to what the issues really are. So B, we can come together and make better decisions on public policy um, in order to protect the people who are on all sides of the border and do the best things that we can do for the most amount of people.
1: Yeah, you're right. Well, you know, it's the left that aims to, to divide us. You know, that's not, that's not actually a a right-wing value, Uh, you know, the tribalism and things that we're facing. That's, that's really coming from them. That's why they're taking things like, um, you know race I mean it's you know marxist um oppressed versus the oppressor kind of a thing that that they're trying to do there um and and on my show you know i I try to have you know um as many people from the you know liberal sphere i I've yet to get a lefty on because you know they don't like to debate or actually discuss ideas because that that would actually expose uh t- too much of what they really think and and um, yeah and, and you know and and they don't they don't do well in a format where you're actually discussing viewpoints so i um I, I do have, you know, some interesting characters on. Um, you know, just yesterday, you know, the transgender thing right now. Our community here is is sort of a hotbed for what's happening because we have a local school district that that we're fighting against that has really doubled down on the um, sexual uh, indoctrination of kids at very young age and the transgendering of our youth. And so I had Scott Nugent um, on yesterday, and that'll be coming coming and airing here in a couple of days. Um, he she um a biological woman who who transgendered and and is kind of gone through a bit of a detransitioning um uh, thing but but was featured in the what is a woman Matt Walsh documentary right. and it was just a really powerful um, uh, uh, scene with uh, with her and um and so i had uh, um i had her on yesterday and um, and it was a really frank discussion and of course we don't agree on everything but we're co-belligerents in this cause. We do not want to see children abused. We do not want to see uh, children being put on puberty blockers and and mutilated and castrated chemically and all of that stuff. and And so, hey, we have common cause, and we need to to find the the sensible, common you know pe- people there that that have some wisdom in that to to be fighting this battle along with us.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's the reason why we need to keep up dialogues, right? So we can find, because, you know, we're not going to, you know, no one site has all the answers, right? I, I firmly believe this. Uh, we do much better putting our heads together and coming up with collaborative decisions, especially in public policy. Uh, It means that you have to be in contact with people, you have to be engaged, you have to be in dialogue. And I think that that's something that sounds like uh, you're doing really well at Liberty Station, or at least, you know, to the extent that people allow you to do it right by engaging with you. But um, I mean, that's, that's the reason why I think uh, most of us are doing what we do is, is simply to make sure that we can get the right argument out there, and to collaborate on better public policy and Liberty Station, um, for the Salem podcast network. Is that what it's called, by the way, the Salem Podcast Network? Yeah, yes. Okay, just want to make sure I had that right. Um, I'm just, I'm within the town hall media sphere uh, with the Ed Morrissey show. So subsidiary uh, of Salem, they do something different with the the Salem side. So the Salem Podcast Network has got some great shows, but Liberty Station is one of them. You got to check that out. Uh, One last thing on Border Battles, uh, or Border Battle, I should say, which is at SalemNow.com. Bryce, how many episodes are there going to be in total when this is uh, fully up?
1: Yeah, so I think it's six. And I think actually, we're featured in in really the very last one as part of the solution. Um, you know, the private public partnership and, and um, you know, doing something to really solve this problem, because we can. Um, and uh, it's possible for us if we have the political will. Um, right now, there's a there's only one, I think, uh, um, person out there, Carrie Lake, who's running right now um, for governor of Arizona, and I think she's likely to win. And she has a real vision to tackle this thing using the power of the state government in Arizona. And and um, I think she's on to something. She'll be one of the really brave um, voices in this and, and will put... Uh, Uh, and a plan in action to to get it done. And she'll use all of the resources of of the state to do it, even if there is some headwinds from the federal government. So um, it can be solved. There is hope. And uh, it just requires all of us to, to come together or the very few heroes like a Carrie Lake. There you go. All right. So Bryce, Eddie, where can people
0: find you and Liberty Station, other than, of course, the Salem Podcast Network. You know, where are you at on, on, the, interneu- on the intertubes? Uh, I forget who yeah. said that first, but I, <laughs> yeah, I love so,
1: those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can find uh, the Liberty Station podcast um, everywhere where you uh, um, digest your podcasts. Um, you can find us on Rumble. Um, you know, we keep getting kicked off of YouTube because I, I called the uh, Fauci a fraud and, you know, things like that. And so that, yeah. that, that got us bumped. Um, uh, but you can also follow me personally on, on, uh, super Bryce Eddy on Instagram and, um, uh, and also Liberty station. We've, we've got, uh, a, a Instagram, uh, Instagram page as well. So you're not on Twitter then? I am on Twitter, although I don't, I don't, uh, tweet that much. I just have all of my, um, uh, you know, fact checkers and everybody who wants to hassle me, they, they tend to, they tend to find me there. <laughs> um, I check, I check Twitter in the mornings just to get a little bit of brain damage. So other people don't to kind of find out what people are talking about. Um, but I, I do only a little bit of, of, uh, of Twitter there and, and you can find me at, uh, you know, Bryce Eddy and I'm, I'm pretty easy to find.
0: Well, there you go. I, I, I too am a masochist. So I, I too check in quite often over at Twitter where all of my critics tend to congregate.
1: And that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I've got again- people that are- dedicated to fact-checking me and dedicated to hassling me. And so I, I feel pretty honored. You should feel honored. You, you, you've assembled you've assembled the masses. You can't, yeah. you
0: can't fault yourself for that. All right, Bryce, Eddie, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget again, um, uh, Border Battle at, at uh, SalemNow.com and you can subscribe to that and you should subscribe to it. Uh it looks like a fascinating documentary. I can't wait for, to see it myself. And uh, we'll also have the Uh, the trailer posted in the same post as we're doing right now. Again, Bryce, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, thank you for having
1: me. Appreciate it.
0: Stand by for one last message from The Ed Morrissey Show. Mm -hmm. Thank you for watching or listening to The Ed Morrissey Show podcast. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and through the Town Hall Media Player, Or you can just come to hotair.com and watch my podcast for free. However, I'd also love to have you join us as members of our VIP and VIP gold programs. That allows us to defeat the stranglehold that big tech has on information and get you the best information that we possibly can. Plus, we have a lot of new value-added content coming to us from town hall media, uh, stars and my good friend, Adam Baldwin. He and I are doing the video series, the amiable skeptics. It's one hour of discussion a week, strictly for our VIP and VIP gold members. Plus we have our VIP gold chat with Kim Edwards every Wednesday afternoon at 1 PM. We'd love to have you as members. Be sure to join up. Thanks again for watching the Ed Morrissey show podcast.